So in lieu of our joke section today, we'll instead talk about a joke as a person first. That person is Rachel Maddow, right? We try to be timeless here, but I'll give you the setup. What happened was, as you know, there was all sorts of issues about uh, Trump not producing his tax records. And Rachel Maddow had been told that someone was able to leak a 2005 tax return of Trump. And so she got this information, or she knew that was going to happen, and she announced on TV that at 9 p.m. tonight, I will reveal what it says, and it's going to be so shocking, and it's going to be so disturbing, and we'll find out that Trump is the monster that we all believed him to be. So sure enough, she goes on. Apparently, she just gets it, and as she gets it, that's when she reveals what's in it, right? right? She didn't vet this, is, is is what I understand. If she did vet it, then more shame on her. Anyway, so she apparently doesn't vet this very well, at least, and then presents that of the $150 million that he made that year, uh, he paid $38 million in taxes, okay, which ended up being something like 25% or something, uh, more than Bernie Sanders had paid, more than Obama had paid, more than a, a, the corporate tax rate. And, and so she ended up looking like really silly, really a goofball. And, and then, so she, she got really played. That's the point. Or she played, you know, she, she, she made, or was made to look at the fool that she was. And then, of course, right away on Facebook and otherwise, the Democrats jumped, the liberals jumped, and they said, don't you know that Trump probably um, leaked this himself and shame on him? And like, whoa, 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 hold on, my friends. You're telling me that, that Rachel Maddow knew that she was illicitly getting this information, stolen information, and you're complaining <laughs> that maybe Trump had done this and fooled her? I think it's brilliant. Frankly, I hope that he baited her with this. I hope it, it happened because that makes me think how easily he plays the media. It's brilliant if that's the case. And frankly, all the indicia indicate that that's exactly what happened. Because why would somebody who wants to leak bad information about Trump reveal that particular tax return? No doubt there are probably other tax returns from 07 or whatever, you name it, where there's some more questionable amounts of tax payments. But 2005, well, somehow, you know, that's the one they chose, where he paid more than everyone else. I think that'd be quite, quite odd. Anyway, I, it, it, she's, she's a joke. Now... Other people will say, and in fact, I just had a very liberal lawyer in the, in the office the other day and, and saying how, in fact, MSNBC, since the election, its ratings have jumped through the roof. Okay, fine. Perhaps because you have nothing else. Perhaps because everyone's looking for solace in MSNBC. There's no explanation. It's not as if they have a new person there that, that uh, has changed everything and made it better. It's simply that the events of the world have changed in a way that you don't like. So you're seeing, you know, you're taking solace in MSNBC. P.S. MSNBC's ratings will fall. Okay, it's they're they're going through a peak right now, but I think after what happened last night, I think they'll just kind of eventually say, "Listen, I let's lick our wounds and, and move on." Anyway, that's the joke for the intro today because they imagine all sorts of monsters, and those monsters are not real. Okay. Which makes us move, actually, to our main theme today, which is that liberals love their monsters. They love the monster, 
capital T, capital M. So, so what do I mean by that? What, what, what prompted all this? I saw an article from CNN on, online, and it said, uh, Trump administration set to dismember government systematically. And I think to myself, wow, they're, they're saying it as if, as if that's a bad thing. Like, wow, I, I think that's wonderful, right? That, to me, that's, you know, I see a white knight slaying a dragon and dismembering him, if you will, right? But to them, they, they love that monster. The dragon is the good guy to them, right? The, these are the guys that uh, saw the movie Aliens, and they were rooting for the aliens, right? Sigourney Weaver, she was the bad one. She was the one interfering with their natural life habitat. And, uh, you know, here they, here they are trying to slaughter them all. You know, like, like we try to slaughter all the Indians back on the Trail of Tears and otherwise, right? Colonel Custard and so forth. Is that the right Colonel Custard, right? General. General Custard, sorry. George so, Custard. Yeah, yeah. So he was, trying to, he was trying to kill all the Indians and therefore, you know, just like, just like that. So that's, <laughs> I mean, I know they, they didn't really root for them, but in a way they're rooting for, if, if they applied, if you applied their principles then they should be rooting for the aliens. That's my point. They should be rooting for the Empire versus the Star Wars Republic. You, you know why that's such a great point? Because how many people root for the parking enforcement right. when they get a parking ticket? Yeah, that's right. How many people, you walk up to your car and there's the meter maid writing a ticket and how many people walk right up to them and say, oh my God, thank you. I don't know how I would go through the rest of the day without this wonderful warm fuzzy from my local government <laughs> yeah. giving me an acknowledgement that I exist and you want something from me that I'm more than happy to supply to you. Right, right. Well, no one. Yeah, yeah. But any other type of government, when it's more abstract than that, they're like, oh, fine, great, more regulation, more taxes. And they do the same thing with the following headline. Trump is going to cut taxes on the rich. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you know I, I understand, and dun, but dun, 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 but, I, but I'm not done with this equivalent on the movie side at least. So first yeah. of all, they 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 would fight against the republic and for the empire. Why why would why would the republic want to fight the empire? They are they are unifying the entire galaxy. It's one you know glacial governance, right? What's wrong with that? Yeah, roads and bridges, right, schools right. and churches, yes, hospitals, yeah, healthcare. Not too much freedom, but who needs that, right? At least and, they keep order, right? And the Republic is all about freedom and independence and doing things their own way, Han Solo and so forth, right? But but that's that's the reason why they should you employ, employing their attitude. They should be hateful of the Republic and loving and embracing the Empire. Uh, likewise with Terminator, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> so these machines, they're helping us. They're organizing things in the most efficient way possible. And, uh, you know, you should that poor Terminator, when he was thrown into the lava pit, who are you to destroy this otherwise budding life form? Yes, sure, it's a cyborg, but it's still a form of life. Uh, and then I suppose my favorite one is, uh, is Jaws, right? <laughs> the shark. I mean, putting aside that we're trying to chase down this, this natural shark from, from doing his natural thing of being a predator. I mean, how dare you think of him as an evil thing? But not only that, but the shark was doing its part to maintain and reduce our human overpopulation. Ah, 
cat. I mean, these guys were rooting for the shark. And, and so I'm not surprised that you should not be surprised. I mean, this sounds like a, like a silly argument, but you, you liberals, you love exactly what I'm saying. You should love everything that I just said. Why, why do I say that? Because you love the monster. The monster is the government. Everything that you proclaim to love is monstrous. They are the, it is the equivalent of supporting the aliens, supporting the Terminator, supporting the Empire, supporting the shark, and just about so many other movies I can think of. And, and shame on you. you. You should see this as clearly as Ari and I see it right now. Because every one of the actual heroes in those movies, you know, the, the, um, the Roy Schneider, Schneider character and the, um, the other... Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Yeah. All of those guys, and, and of course all the, the Jedi Knights and, and the Han Solo characters that, that, that really are the heroes. The one, we're rooting for them. Yeah, John Connor, yeah. Reese, Sarah Connor. Right, and all of them, all of them are fighting for the same thing, aren't they? They're fighting for freedom individuality, free speech, being human. That's what they're fighting for every they're, single time. They're also fighting for something that's so often ignored. They're not fighting a war for more war. They're fighting a war to end a war so they can, as human beings, do something else other than just claw out of survival and fight. Right. Uh, that's right. Braveheart, for instance, and that's another monster they would be on, the side of King Longshank's English army. Yes. Braveheart specifically wants to be a farmer and grow crops and feed people. Yeah, he's the reluctant warrior. Right. That's the, that's the point. He's only fighting because there is no other choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, what, what do they view? The shark as, as uh, trying to lessen the human carbon footprint of the SS Orca? Yeah. And they view Skynet and the Terminator uh, saga as uh, too big to fail? Right. You know, a yeah, yeah, yeah. gigantic and, health insurance conglomerate that if we don't, you know, pair it with government oversight and massive regulation, it would collapse and kill us all. No, it's killing us all anyway, just by existing. You know, and, and by the way, women love the, those heroes that we're talking about, the, the Han Solo characters and, and otherwise, and, and the Braveheart character. Uh, why so? Because they feature a man who is a family man who's reluctantly thrown into a situation in which he in which he must protect his family. There's nothing more sexy to a woman than that. Am I right, ladies? All right, well, yes. I, I, I'm seeing a lot of ladies nodding their head. I'm, I'm pretending right now that I'm, I have a whole sea of ladies yeah, no, in front of me, not unlike, yeah, not unlike my dreams, but nevertheless. <laughs> but, but, but look, ask any lady and describe that man, like I just said, uh, you know, strong man, decent looking man, doesn't have to be incredibly good looking, that helps, but uh, just that he, he loves his family, but he reluctantly, emphasis on the word reluctantly, must battle the bad guys to, to protect his family. There's nothing more sexy. Anyway, the point is that this is, this is the shame of liberalism, and it's truly shame. I mean, I, I think they go out of these movies, they, they should be going out of these movies if they actually believe this, seeing like Terminator aliens and, and leaving, shaking their heads as if they've just seen a, you know, um, a film noir <laughs> with, which a, with a really sad ending because, you know, th their good guy lost, right? The, the Death Star blew up. Yeah. Oh, that's, isn't that a tragic ending? I can't believe against all those odds 
that little rapscallion, Luke Skywalker, succeeded against our perfect plan. Yes. How dare he yeah. use the Force against us? Yeah. How yeah. dare he bring us down? Now, and, and now you right. mean, you, you, yeah, go ahead. Since you said you're right, I'll, I'll take it. But, but look, you get, uh, if you think I'm being ridiculous, if you think that Ari is being ridiculous on this, we're not. Because we actually have proof that this is what happens. You see, in the old days, they did prefer Darth Vader and the Empire and, and the Emperor Palantine, right? From Star Wars and such. They did. Although his name wasn't Darth Vader. His name was Mussolini. His name was Margaret Sanger. His name was Vladimir Lenin. His name was Karl Marx. These are exactly the same people. Don't you see? And, and, and so we started off with, with almost a bizarre premise. But we're actually showing that it's exactly correct. They love the monster. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And they love it because it gives them a safety and an order that they find um, comforting because they don't want to deal with human freedom and yeah. all of its disorder. Yeah. Human freedom is disorganized. You can't predict it. There's so we've talked so much before about you know the, the brilliant concepts of the static thinking versus the dynamic thinking. But once you have a, a society based on freedom and dynamic thinking, it becomes really hard to predict the future. Yeah. And what they love is they love having the known future where we're all equal in drones. They just want to keep reinventing yesterday. Yeah. Oh, that's great. They want to reinvent yesterday. In the whole year zero. That's right. Year zero, communism. I mean, look, even when I, when I had battle with uh, some people on my, when I was discussing the notion of that atheism kills, uh, which is the title for my, for my upcoming book, uh, people responded to that in these atheist forums on Facebook and otherwise. They responded so viciously. It was, it was very bizarre. And uh, they don't like the notion that there can be such a thing as freedom or free will, or, or any of those things. It's, it's just, it was really a, a moment of entrenchment that I just never realized, and it would bring out so much animosity at the same time. Yeah, isn't it scary that so many people not only uh, don't value their own freedom, but they want yours to be gone too. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with anyone who doesn't value freedom. Yeah, fine. that's right. Don't, but don't value your own. Leave mine alone. Well said. Well said. You know what? If you want to, to use, go back to the movies example, if you want to go swim in, a, in, a, in an ocean full of sharks and take the risk that you're going to be slaughtered, uh, be my guest. If you want to live in an alien world with, uh, where the aliens want to destroy you and, and impregnate you with, with their own aliens, well, be my guest. Uh, if you want to live in a world of cyborgs and everything else and you think that's awesome, be my guest. But, but don't make me come with you. Please, all right. This, that's your Mishigas, not mine. All right. So, th this kind of dovetails very nicely into our next theme, which is the theme of utopia. And, you know, I, we talked before about one of the things that I learned, like I, I suppose the key thing that I learned when I traveled around the world during my youth. Look, I, I lived just about everywhere you can think of it. I. I was born in, and not raised in Israel, but I lived there for three and a half years. I've gone back to Israel many times. We lived in Connecticut. We lived in New York State. We lived in Hawaii, where I went to the same high school as, the, as Obama. 
uh, for, oh, two years apart. Uh, we lived in Japan, Germany, England, uh, Washington, D.C., and then, I, of course, I went to college. Uh, everywhere around the world you could possibly think. And you'll recall that one of the things I discovered is that everywhere you go, people are equally petty. That's what I learned. And it was a powerful notion to me. But more importantly, and somebody said it, I think, in a, in a more cogent way, you realize that there is no utopia. There is no magic land where people get it just right. I mean, that, that, that's the whole notion of Thomas More's utopia. It, it literally means no place, right? We talked about that. It's Greek for no place. But he describes a place, not a future, not, a, not an idea that where if only we had this, we, everything would be utopian. No, no. He instead talks about a region, and he's as if he's traveled to this land called utopia, and this is how they all act, and this is how everything works for them. And his whole mission, by the way, is to say that there is no such place, that there never will be such a place. But like people mistake Dostoevsky's The Grand Inquisitor for a, an argument for atheism, uh, they, they mistook that a lot of liberals believe in this notion of utopia. Oh, yes, there must be a utopia. We will search for it all the time. But as you travel around the world, you discover, guess what? People are just as greedy in Iceland as they are here. They're just as uh, hungry for sex uh, in, in France as they are here. They're just in, as, as uh, embattled with the notion of jealousy in Germany as they are here. And so on down the line. And, and human nature is the same everywhere. There is no utopia. People do not act contrary to their own interests. We do know that people love freedom. Or, or at the very least, it is God's wish that we all be free. That we are comfortable with. Some people don't want freedom, right? Some people also don't want to be sober. Doesn't mean that it's natural, right? Or that's a good thing not to want to be sober. Some people are sex addicts. That doesn't mean that's a good thing. There's a whole bunch of things that people are naturally inclined to that doesn't mean that it's a good thing. We do know that freedom is, is necessary. And everywhere you want freedom, that means there can be no utopia. It means that it involves hard work, especially the quest for God. So I, I love that um, aspect when somebody said that there is no utopia. I, I, it, I really, I grabbed onto it because I thought it was such a thought-provoking concept, one that I wish I had come up with, with myself. Uh, my, my own personal observation is that people are equally petty, which is a different thing, but, but equally true as well. So I don't know. I... I I, I love this stuff, and... Yeah, but there's an interesting kind of side point as, that dovetails with the first. Those of us who love freedom, who are uh, in touch with the reality that there is no utopia, have given up the quest to either find or make one. Yeah, that's and right. And what guarantees... No, and, and you know, the irony is, in a lot of ways, it's kind of there's a Zen concept here. If you want utopia, just stop trying to create it. <laughs> right. And believe it or not, you will have a free society that'll come pretty darn close. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. In, in yeah, a lot that's of right. Ways. That's right. It's the people who are constantly trying to impose a utopia by taking our freedom away and imposing their own um, 
hang-ups, biases, uh, yeah. perversions ah. are the ones who guarantee that anything approaching utopia never will never be. It's it's in a way there's an analogy to uh, light speed travel. I'm not in, you know into the whole you know astrophysics thing, but one thing I do remember that sort of Einsteinian thought is that you might not be able to go the speed of light or cross it, but you can incrementally approach it. Yes, and that's right. We can call that moment. One second slower than light speed per mile or whatever per light year. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, that's light speed. Right. 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 Even if it isn't technically light speed. But um, it, it's so similar to this. If we would just stop trying to impose this stuff, it would be that much more. You might actually get there. It's funny that that you mentioned that, and I agree. Of course. Those areas of, ta- of uh, California, those areas, uh, those states in America, where they do have less government involvement, they, they do impose less. The schools tend to be better. Uh, they tend to have less crime, a lot less crime. They tend to have, uh, you know, better improvement in the, in the welfare of everyone, generally speaking, and less welfare, welfare needs for that matter. And that's, of course, a good thing. And you and I would call that utopia, Right. I mean, I, I look at Orange County. I drive by there every once in a while. And you know what I notice? First of all, I notice the great public schools there. I notice the roads are nice and smooth, right? I, I notice people say hello to each other. I notice the kids are able to ride their bikes around their neighborhood without fear uh, of, of being endangered. Um, I, I, I notice that there's very little crime, generally speaking, in Orange County. You know what? I call that utopia. That's where I want to live. That's the kind of life I want to live. Right? I, I admire that. And if, if I were to say, gosh, I lived in Orange County and uh, I was a lawyer there for a while and helped people out here and there and my kids went to the great public schools there and they were raised confidently and such like that. Isn't that, for lack of a better word, utopia? Isn't that the, the most pristine way you can expect life? What more than that would you want? And it's, it's very hard for the, for the lefty to answer that other than to say, I suppose, that's all good and well for you, Barack and Ari, uh, and your respective families. But what about everyone else? What about the person who's disabled? What about the, the black man? What about the Hispanic and such like that? And to which we respond, what about them? They, they have the same opportunities that we would. You think there are no black people in Orange County? You think there are no Hispanics in Orange County? You think that they don't have the same opportunities? I mean... You can't live your life like that, saying that you, everyone must suffer until everyone is happy. What does that mean, anyway? What does happiness mean? So, as it turns out, everyone has a different vision of what utopia is. That's one of the great ironies of utopia. If, if my vision of utopia is something that I just described, right? But, but the lefties' vision of utopia is very different. And our leftist uh, listeners right now, they're nodding their head. Yeah, Brooks got that right. Huh. Yeah, we want to we wanna be able to shoot yeah. heroin on the street. We want to be able to spray paint our tagging markings on the walls. Maybe, we or we want to let other people, we want, we want other people to be able to do that. That's, that's their vision. Yes, express so, so that's And that's one thing, but let's not go even that extreme. They, they've, maybe what they want is they want to impose, make sure that uh, only people can ride bicycles as their primary source of transportation. If they want to take their car, fine, but they have to pay a very hefty fine per mile to do so. Uh, and everyone's encouraged with subsidies to go take the train and 
and and schools will mandate certain sex educations and global warming and all the progressive things that they want. That's their utopia. Lost in all that, of course, is any notion of freedom, but who's counting, right? This is, this is their utopia. And what happens when your, when your utopias clash? I mean, people talk about utopia, but they never ask, what does your utopia look like? And this is a, it's, a, it's an imperative question to ask, because if you don't ask that question, you're all talking past each other, aren't you? Right? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like telling your client, I'm a lawyer. You tell your client, hey, I'll be able to get, you know, a very hefty sum for you at trial. And for me, a very hefty sum is, let's say, in my mind's eye for this particular case, is $200,000. And for him, and he just, here's the hefty word, hefty sum, he thinks that's $20 million. Well, somebody's going to be disappointed, right? Even if, if, even if I'm able to get him $300,000. And then I say, isn't this great, right? But somebody's unhappy. Same thing with the notion of utopia. You, you cannot possibly square everything together. At the end of the day, the only way that you can make everyone happy, or at least everybody reasonably happy, is to let them do their thing. Let them explore. Let them be different. If you have a system like that, you're going to have the closest thing to, to utopia that you can imagine. All right, so the next theme <clears throat> will be about, uh, this, this all stemmed from the notion, so bear with me while I explain this, that the whole transgender issue, I know we've spoken a lot about it, but it's so emblematic of the left. Does, that, does it not feel to you, Ari, that it is a phantom issue, right? Isn't, don't you scratch your head and you say, why this? Right? I mean, surely even the most diehard liberal must understand that this is something that affects one out of 35,000 people. It doesn't, doesn't take too long to, to Google this. It's, it's apparently it's more out of men, but you average out men and women, it's one out of 35,000 people. A little odd to be so boisterous and so animated about such an issue when it affects so few people and that you're fighting you know, Bruce Springsteen is, is boycotting um, certain North concerts Carolina. in North Carolina because of this law, and other, everyone else is joining him in his, his liberal fight. Okay. Yeah, a whole boycott for 15 people in a state. Yeah, it's, it's just a little odd, right? Yeah. So you, it makes you think, this is a phantom issue. I mean, it was the gay marriage thing was, to some extent, a phantom issue. But at least that affected, arguably, three to five out of every hundred people. That's, that's a lot more than one out of 35,000, right? But, but even then you drill down the numbers and you realize, okay, listen, just because you're fighting for gay marriage doesn't mean that all gays want to get married, right? I mean, just like not all heterosexuals want to get married, right? I mean, in fact, a lot of people are saying that marriage is just a piece of paper. Yeah. They poo-poo it. They think it's the most silly thing in the world. I mean, I, I, you and I know many people, women and men, that just say, well... You know, I just want to shack up with somebody, and if we, if, we, if we have a child, then we have a child. But why do we need a piece of paper to prove, uh, you know, to, to somehow legalize ourselves? To which the response is, well, if it's just a piece of paper, then what's the problem? But that's another story altogether. Yeah, but at least there was an argument about some codified law, some law in the yeah. book somewhere that... I, but, it's, but, 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 but speak to the phantom issue. You're a lawyer. You're a yeah. lawyer. I'm just curious about something. Are there actually laws about bathroom usage, or has that been generally one of those things that is codified by the agreement of common sense. Meaning there's a picture on the door, and 
yeah, there is vagrancy laws, inappropriate behavior, those kind of things. But are there actually laws on the books that says men must use this bathroom, women must for that, or elves? Uh, yeah, well, yes, it, there, there were criminal matters uh, before because... Look, it was the point a long time ago where they didn't have to have those laws because it was so basic in understanding that you don't do that sort of thing, yeah. right? Uh, but then, of course, when crazy things start happening, that's when you start to have to make laws. What th There were laws before the whole, you know, I mean, decades ago because it would be a crime if a man decided to go into a woman's bathroom, usually for the purpose of... of uh, Pleasuring himself. Well, okay, or le or leering, yeah. right? Or just to check out, you know, women in compromising positions. That somehow was a turn on to them, and that's the reason why. Whether pleasuring himself or not, is, it's not the point. Well, I was, it was I just, was, it was just, it was just, yeah. hang on. It's just dangerous to, for, for that situation. So they said, listen, we're going to have a blanket rule. No man in the woman's bathroom. Thank you very much. And vice versa, presumably, but that's the way it is. It, it didn't have to be enforced because everyone seemed to respect it. Now there's this demand that created from this phantom issue. And, that's, and it's the phantom part that I want to discuss. All right? Before we talked about monsters, now we're talking about phantoms. So we're coming full circle, as you can see. What a I, fabulous I, podcast. I appreciate that. Phantoms and monsters. That's why we call it phantoms and monsters. Right? So it, it's, anyway, it seems all these phantom issues are, are truly made up. Uh, we talked about the transsexual issue. Uh, it really affects so few people. So you can't really say that it's a true issue that's worth animating yourself about, right? But, but it's not, so it's not a real issue. The gay marriage issue was a phantom issue, okay? And the reason why I say that is if, if you've been busy for decades trying to destroy the institution of marriage, then how come now you're so crying about it and huddling with each other about it and, and talking about this, the great civil rights issue of the day when it affects only the gays. Suddenly, suddenly marriage is very important to you. And then you might say, well, no, no, Brock and Ari, you know, let's be fair. It's like, if, if it's available to heterosexuals, it should be available to them. No matter how much we may poo-poo it, it's still that they should, they should have the right to be excited about marriage like you have the right, because I, I, I do believe in marriage, right? You have the right to believe in marriage and be excited about it to be conservative about it, though they have the right to be. So let me tell you, there's so many things wrong with this, I don't even know where to begin. First, <laughs> why would gays be excited about marriage, right? Other than to stick it in your eye, so to speak. And then it's a conservative principle. They just said so, right? I mean, marriage is a conservative issue. If it's just a piece of paper, then it's just a piece of paper. Why would you be fighting for it? It's part of the destruction of civilization to destroy marriage. And that's what they would do. But no, 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 it's so important that, that gays get married too. All right, so that's issue number one. Issue number two is that, like I said, that there are very few people that actually want to get married within the gay community. So, some lesbians, yes. Among the gay men, not so much. You know, they, they, they talk a good talk, but you actually ask a, a gay man, hey, is it really important that you be able to get married? A lot of them will say, eh, not so much. You know, if, if others want to get married, that's, that's their business, but I, they're not really interested. Now, many of my gay friends will say things like, I became gay for the renegade nature of this, not to start a family and settle down. Right. Which is a great point. A, a lot of them, were, I mean, look, let's, let's allow for, the, for the, the very real possibility, and there are people, gays that we know, that in fact uh, do just want to settle down and, and be 
you know, connected with one man, one woman, uh, you know, depending on, on their, their orientation. And fine, that's fine. But, but don't pretend that this is, a, this is such a pent-up demand. It's not. It's a phantom issue. Okay? Just the fact that the, some people want it doesn't make it something that it des is deserving of all of our national attention, especially when Rome is burning and the world is burning for that matter. Okay? Here's another one. Global warming. Are you surprised I said that? Of course it's a phantom issue. We all know that's garbage. Even if you believed that global warming was happening, you would still have to believe that the Earth's temperature is actually rising and that man is predominantly responsible for it um, and that you can actually do something about it and that there's a causation. I mean, and, and, and that you would also have to assume that there's actually substantial damage that's you know, damned to happen, doomed to happen, I should say, that it's going to happen 20 feet and by golly, if we don't do anything, it'll be like that movie 2012 or whatever, where everyone's drowning underwater. You know, it all happened in one week or something, as the, as the movie suggested. But, but of course, it's not that way. You, would do, you, you have to look through these things and say, this is not an issue. It, it, no matter what man's involvement is in it, we, it's just there's too many other questions involved. So phantom issue is what it is. Same thing with minimum wage. That has to be a phantom issue because nobody can look at that and say, that makes sense, right? If, if, if $15 an hour is, somehow is, is good for the economy, then why not $22 an hour? Why not $50 an hour? And so on. Why not, why not give everyone $1,000 an hour? Everyone gets a piece of, of this glorious pie. But this is it's stupid reasoning, right? It's like when, when you and I were kids, no doubt, you, you, you at one point, we're told that there are about, you know, back in, the, back in the day, it was 200 million Americans, right? And so you thought to yourself, hey, you know, if every American gave me $1, no skin off of their back, right? But I would have $200 million. I'd be a very rich man. How simple would that be? And then, of course, you, but then everyone should be doing that, right? So everyone's giving everyone else in other words, a dollar. every individual has to come up with $200 million to give every one of the 200 million people $1. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So obviously the, the, the scheme doesn't work very well and nobody makes any money because they're just transferring, you know, as soon as you get $1, you have to give it to somebody else. Yeah, just moving paper around. Yeah, that's, that's all. You, you're creating, a, you know, movement of the air. That's about the best you can do. It's the ultimate wake work project. It's shovel ready. That's sho <laughs> but so, so it's phantom in the same way. So that's why minimum wage is a phantom issue. Everything that they presented are, in fact, phantom issues. You, you, you name it. Throw, throw out, throw oh, out an issue. Okay. The obvious two Islamophobia and feminist issue. If feminism was a real issue, then why are they telling us that gender doesn't matter? If Islamophobia was an issue, yeah, it would fe fear be a, of Muslims. Would be a, well, not fear of Muslims. Right. Irrational fear right. of Muslims. Got it. That would then mean that there are absolutely no one killed by Muslims for any reason other than good reasons. Yeah. Thus, no one on the planet should have any reasonable concerns about any behaviors by Muslims anywhere, no matter how radical or moderate. Right. All right. Oh, so I love a, that. So it's a fake issue. It's a fake issue. Because if as soon as the fear of behavior of certain Muslims is out of the realm of a phobia, fear of heights, fear of the outdoors, fear of cats, you know, any, you know, fear of spiders... 
then suddenly the fear becomes reasonable. And reasonable fear are things like fear of being hit by cars when you cross the street, fear of being into a car accident when you drive, right. fear of getting stuck in an elevator. All of these things can and do happen to people. Right. Those, are, those are legitimate fears. Um, here's another um, phantom issue. Racism, right? I mean, it's the ultimate phantom issue when you think about it. So uh, the left will tell you that racism is rampant throughout the United States, and we talk about this a lot. If that were the case, then you would expect there to be hundreds of thousands of examples, not just uh, one or two that you try to pick out on a video. And those videos that they come out with end up not being racist at all. On the contrary, a lot of times it's a black cop uh, either killing or beating a, a black uh, person. Or <laughs> there's, a, there's a black ambulance driver, there's a black uh, uh, you know, jury, there's a black judge, wh whatever it might be, they just can't be racist. You could say that the, this or that police officer acted without just cause, that's, that's one thing. But it doesn't make it racism, you understand. Okay, the fact that a cop uses a gun and hits a person that happens to be a black person doesn't make it racist. But it's the phantom issue du jour. They have to make you think that it's racist. And, and they would have you believe it. it's happening all over the place. And why do they have this phantom issue? So that they can have something to talk about, something to agitate about, and, and therefore compel more of the progressive movement and agenda that they need so badly. And perhaps more importantly than ever, to serve as a distraction to all the successful conservative policies. And yes, every single conservative policy, which is truly a conservative policy, works. Every single one. Yeah, and also to distract from the fact that every single liberal policy is, has uh, failed. Yeah. And then how these things connect to each other. How when you're pushing phantom issues and you're constantly putting forth a utopian idea that brings misery to others, in both cases, you're feeding the first theme, which is siding with the monster yeah. against the non-monster. Ah, so true. Here's another phantom issue. Um, rampant uh, sex, uh, sorry, not sexism. Rape on campus. That's what I want to yeah. say. Massive rape on campus, right. campuses. I'd, I'd right. I'd like to actually acknowledge that that is real. Uh, issue and as a result, I will not send my daughters to college. How about yeah, that? that's right. If it's so dangerous, where they need a college education? Yeah, and and, and and the people in co in campuses are saying one out of every five uh, women are being assaulted or sexually assaulted. But they also change the definition quite a bit. But they want you to think it's rape uh, for some reason, and then they're so surprised. Uh, why would why would they be surprised or why would they be surprised when? As a father or anybody that's concerned, I would say I would never send them to this this rape factory. I mean, that's that's crazy. I, I I mean, I love my daughter. Why would I pay you know the equivalent of what will be seventy thousand dollars by the time she becomes uh, eligible for college, so that she could endanger herself even more? I mean, and and no doubt certain colleges are more dangerous than others. But at the very least, on average, it's one out of a five. That which means that on some ca campuses it's worse. <laughs> no, thank you. Right? I mean, you, you'd be crazy. And, and then, of course, it's just not happening. That's, that's, that's the phantom part of it. Right. If those numbers were so high, um, the court systems would actually be collapsing yeah. from nothing but rape cases. That's right. It, it, that's exactly right. Good point. 
uh, but don't worry, don't worry about that. The campuses themselves are handling them on a different standard altogether. Yeah. You know, so. I didn't want to get into that fan. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have to. Go. Yeah. Another, another, yeah. another one is, do you remember how um, the whole AIDS thing? Remember that? that no, that, a non-homosexual, non-drug use. Right, that's what I'm talking about. No, AIDS. AIDS homosexual AIDS. I, I didn't mean to say the AIDS itself was a, a phantom. Of course, AIDS is a real disease. But the notion that somehow... And I remember this going into college that they said, you know, the AIDS, there's this new thing called AIDS and it's terrible. It's a killer. And it was a killer, of course. Yeah. And anyone and can get it. Anyone can get it. And in two years time, uh, one out of every three people, heterosexual or not, will have this dreaded disease. And, and I thought to myself, huh? And then they kept on saying it every year in two years time, in two years time, everyone will have it. And every two years, I kind of looked around and kind no of was like, knew had it? no one I knew who was heterosexual had it. I knew a couple of gay guys who unfortunately uh, did have uh, HIV, and then one of them actually died. Uh, it was really sad to, to see. But nevertheless, no heterosexual that I knew had it. And, and you would think it would be rampant at that point. If it was truly a, uh, it just happened to hit the gay community first, but somehow it was going to be rampant throughout everyone else, like a common cold, well, then why doesn't everyone have it by now? And it kept on going year after year, and people were saying the same thing year after year. And I said, this doesn't add up. The math could not possibly be here. If this were the, You would expect this conflagration like they talk about uh, in any disease, epidemic or otherwise. And it's just nothing. It was so selective, this, this terrible disease. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that gays deserve it or anything else like that. No doubt somebody will, will spew that nonsense out. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, unfortunately, that AIDS, being the weak virus that it is, and yeah, it's a weak virus, thrives in an, in, in a, in an area where it can easily be transmitted through blood. And that's, that's what happens in that, in that sort of community, unfortunately. Now, thank God, uh, you know, AIDS is no longer the rampant, horrible disease that, that it used to be and that there have been effective cures for it, um, you, know, no, no, you know, thanks gloriously to the wonders of capitalism and, and the ability to find drugs to fight off that disease. But it was a phantom argument, wasn't it, to say that this was going to affect the heterosexual community just as much as the homosexual community. Yeah, and kill X number of five people. Yeah. But, you know, three out of five, whatever the... Oh, it was obscene. It was obscene. Yeah. And, and then, uh, then the notion of um, overpopulation. I know Dennis Prager talks about that a lot as well. The over, overpopulation scare. It was a bunch of garbage. It was a phantom issue. Nothing of the sort ha happened. Uh, people did not starve in the streets, as it turns out, turned out. Uh, speaking about starving in the streets, when, when Clinton... Uh, was forced to do welfare reform in the 90s. Well, you know, everyone said terrible things were going to happen. People would be starving in the streets. Didn't happen. It was a phantom issue. Phantom. Every single one of their issues is phantom. Every single one. And I, and I dare you as the listener, please write us at info at lurie-law.com. We will read your answer if it's, if it's cogent. Just keep it pithy to the point. We'll respond to it, but and don't throw. Please don't throw out Social Security. That's just it, that that is also a phantom issue in its sense. That, that the fact that the suggestion that it's even working in, in any stretch of the of the mind at all, and uh, the fact that 
it would, it, there couldn't be other avenues by which to help people retire. You need the government to, to help you retire? Really? No, thank you. Are, are you going to rely on the government for your retirement, Ari? No. Of course not. And uh, do we also rely on the government to be our butchers, our bakers, yeah. our grocers? Oh, no. exactly right. We, we have to rely on this. Anyway, so another phantom argument. You know what, Ari, it reminds me, it, it brings us all back, doesn't it, to that podcast we had a long time ago. The conversations we are having and the conversations we should be having. And in many ways, this notion of the phantom argument that the liberals uh, foist on us, they're really all distractions, aren't there? That's right. Aren't Just they? like Miss Maddow's little report last night. Bingo. Bingo. Oh, it's all coming full circle. I love it. And, and they are distractions so that we talk about their issues and not talk about the real issues that need to be taken seriously, such as how do we advance freedom? How do we help other countries enjoy liberty like we do? Uh, what is our mission? It, it, you know, what about space exploration? What about yeah, why do we exist? How do we enlighten people? Yeah. Why? How can we take these wonderful technological tools and spread truth and knowledge to the far corners of the world so more people can participate in an enlightened existence, be closer to God, and fulfill humanity's incredible potential? Yeah. That's what we want to talk about. That's what we see as our vision for where the future of humanity can be and why it's important to have conservative values. We don't think it's important to have conservative values just to procreate in a uh, God-centered existence so we can all uh, raise children to go get mundane jobs like we have or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Hey, let's all have savings accounts. No, you know, right. no, I don't want to invest with Voya or, or Fidelity. You know, <laughs> I, it's great. Right. No, I want to know what's on the other side of the canopy of stars someday. Yeah. I want to know the, the answers to the big issues without passing into the, the, the afterworld. You know? which, which reminds me of the, of the olden days. I mean, when you were a little kid, Certainly when I was a kid, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I remember thinking about, wow, you know, the, the, the man, had just, man had just walked on the moon for the first time. I was six years old. And it was an amazing moment. I, 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 could, I knew even at six years old, I couldn't speak English very well, but I still knew that this was meaningful. And I saw my parents and they were looking at it. They just thought this was the most amazing thing ever. It was awesome. And then they told me about how great it was and how in the past they, they you know, America had invented the, essentially invented the car and then, of course, the airplane and developed the refrigerator and all the great things that America's developed. And all in the span of 60 plus, you know, years of just incredible time. And what more could we accomplish in, in 60 years from now? They couldn't even yeah. imagine, right? And, and then it just seemed, if you look back on it, it's like, you know, we, we have some cool gizmos. There's no doubt about it. The internet is cool. Everything electronics-wise is pretty impressive. But, but other than that, other than that, the quest for knowledge and such like that seems to be somehow gone. We, we don't have that. And I think it's, it's because of these phantom issues. Oh, of course. Exactly. Yeah. Bum squat sense. Yeah. Bump squat. Yeah, bump so, squat. So, and, and this is why we call it phantom issues. In many ways, maybe we should call them fantasy issues. And here's why. In the same way that, that you know, you have a long week, maybe you had a bad week for that matter. <clears throat> what do you want to do sometimes? Sometimes. I'm not talking about drinking, but that's, that's also an option. You want to drink your sorrows away, right? You don't want to think about anything. When, when somebody gets drunk, they, they don't say to themselves, I want to get drunk and also 
explore the world and understand my role in the, in the universe, right? No, yeah, no. They, they just want to they want to get dead brain cells going yeah, right now. They want to numb themselves. You don't say, let's get drunk and fly a rocket to the moon. Right. Because you ain't going to come back in one piece. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, no, but, but I mean, with a true intensity, they, those things don't go hand in hand, right? I mean, it, going getting drunk means I want to forget the world. I want to forget my place in the world. I want to take a big friggin' break and just turn it off, right? It's not a, a, a moment of progression. Let's put it that way. And likewise, on a more salient point, from, for myself at least, if I'm really tired and I don't want to think too much, I might go to a fun movie, right? Maybe a fantasy movie. A movie like Star Wars, I mean, I don't mind thinking along the process, especially if it's a good movie, or Back to the Future, all the, the fun movies that we talked about you before. You want to veg out on something that has nothing to do with life for a couple hours, so right. you can come back, recharge, refresh, and right. focus. In other words, I want to escape. Yeah. Okay? It's both, the, both the alcoholic or the, the guy who wants to get blitzed, he wants to escape. When I go to the movie, I want to escape. And that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? All these phantom issues, these fantasy issues, they are about escaping. They don't want to deal, wait for it, with the conversations we should be having. Okay? That's what they dare not do. And that's why they create these phantom slash fantasy issues. To keep us away from that. That is the mantra. That is the mission of the left. And shame on you for it. Shame on you for loving the monster. I'm Brock Lurie. We'll talk with you next week.